Thanks for listening to the Rock Hill Podcast. At Rock Hill, we're all about reaching people with the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus. Listen in as Pastor Matt Chappell teaches how God's Word applies to our everyday lives. Luke chapter number two this morning, and really the heart behind that video presentation is the heart behind the celebration of Christmas. And this morning, as we consider the video that we just watched, I'd like to preach for just a few moments today on this subject, the forgotten gift, the forgotten gift. If you have a Bible, Luke chapter number two, I want to read a few verses to get us started. Luke chapter two, verse number 41. The Bible says this. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey. And they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished. Everybody say, astonished. astonished. They were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wish ye not that... I must be about my father's business. Let's have a word of prayer together this morning. Father, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. God, thank you for the early service that we already had. God, thank you for the great things that, that you did. And God, I pray that you would show up in a very real way for us this morning in this 11 o'clock hour. God, thank you for all of your goodness and your blessings in our lives. God, I pray that for the next few minutes that we can really focus on your word today. God, I pray that we can have an understanding today, a clear understanding of what the gift of Christmas is really all about. And God, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit. Give me the words to say. Lord, I pray that we would have hearts of uh, understanding today. I pray that you would open our hearts and mind to be ready to receive whatever it is you'd have us receive today. We love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. how many of you still have some Christmas uh, shopping to do? Can I see your hands still have some shopping to do? I read recently that Americans spend $465 billion per year on Christmas presents. How many of you would say that's a lot of money? That's a lot of uh, wrapping, wrapping paper. Uh, I think that you can tell a lot about someone by how they wrap Christmas presents, by how they wrap uh, presents and gifts. And how many of you are a very meticulous and uh, professional gift wrapper? Anybody like that? You take your time, want to make sure that it looks really good, okay? Uh, how many of you actually will open a present and try to save the wrapping paper. Anybody like that? Why do you do that? You know, what's wrong with you? And I remember the first time I saw someone doing that, and I was just thinking, you are ruining the spirit of Christmas. You know, like this person has never opened a Christmas present before. Look at them. And how many of you are the complete opposite? You just kind of rush into it and kind of, uh, it doesn't really matter what the present looks like on the outside. You just kind of, hey, it's what's on the inside that counts, okay? Uh, I remember growing up every year, I loved opening Christmas presents for my grandmother because my grandmother would always write 
uh, what was on the inside of the present on the outside in the box. And she did that because she didn't want to forget what it was. And she thought that we couldn't see it. She would try to hide it in the wrapping paper. And so I would grab a present. It'd be like, Matt, blue shirt. And so I would kind of just play into it. And I would say, man, I really hope I get a blue shirt for Christmas this year. And then my grandma, every time, would be like, how did you know? I'm like, I don't know. I just had a feeling, you know. And uh, it uh, made Christmas morning a lot of fun, uh, opening presents there. And I think, I think this morning we could all come to the conclusion and all kind of agree that Christmas is really not about gifts. But the truth is, Christmas really is all about one gift. It is the greatest gift in the history of the world. It is the gift of Jesus Christ. And uh, the Apostle Paul one time was writing to a church that he started in the ancient city of Corinth. And and, uh, he was writing this letter to them. And he was really talking about giving. And he was talking about our responsibility in the church. And he became so excited when he thought about the gift of Jesus. And he became so excited when he thought about eternal life and and the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. And, And this is what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 15. He said, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift, his unspeakable gift. And that word unspeakable in the Greek is such an interesting word. It's the first and only time that word is used in all of the New Testament. It means inexpressible. It means indescribable. And Paul wanted so badly to adequately express his his thanks and his gratitude for God that he used an altogether new word because he was saying, this is amazing. This is inexpressible. This is indescribable. This is unspeakable. This is the great gift of Jesus Christ. Is anybody thankful today for the inexpressible, indescribable, unspeakable gift of Jesus Christ? Paul was so uh, passionate about this. And, and our problem today is often we, we hear about this gift and we come to the Christmas season and we know about this gift. But our problem often is that we overlook the gift. We forget about the gift. And even though we know about the the true meaning of Christmas, we tend to overlook it. And I think there's a passage of Scripture that so adequately portrays this truth. And that is the passage that we just read where the the earthly parents of Jesus actually forgot about him. How could they forget about Jesus, God in the flesh? They, they, They forgot him. And this morning for a few minutes, I want to look to Luke chapter number two. And I want us to see how they forgot how they forgot Jesus, how they forgot this gift. And I think it's very uh, pertinent for us before we get into the text to realize that what we're studying is, is the inspired, revealed word of God. This is not just man's writing. This is God's word. And, and God used a man named Luke. Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. But perhaps even more important than Luke being a physician was that Luke was a historian. And, and Luke wrote with such meticulous detail, so much so that even secular historians that do not believe uh, in the divinity of Jesus, they look to Luke's writings and they say, wow, this is very respectable. This was done uh, according to the appropriate manner. And Luke uh, set out in chapter number one, verse number one, when he says this, he says, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding from, uh, from all things, from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. And so Luke says, man, I'm writing this to show you what I've discovered, what I've investigated about Jesus. Theophilus was a, a prominent leader and a wealthy man, and he wanted to know more about this person of Jesus. And so he funded Luke, and he hired Luke and said, go and interview the eyewitnesses. Go and ask people that were at the scene, ask them what they learned about Jesus. And so Luke does it. He goes out and he talks to the people that were there and he records his writings in the gospel of Luke. And he does so in such a meticulous and precise manner that Sir William Ramsey, one author says this, 
He says, you may press the words of Luke in, in a degree beyond any other historians, and they stand the keenest scrutiny and the hardest treatment. And so Luke writes as a historian, it's very uh, precise and accurate, and he does his best to uh, give all of the details, and he starts by presenting the birth of Jesus Christ in Luke chapter number two, and how he was born in Bethlehem, and then uh, he talks about how his parents uh, brought him to the temple to be dedicated, and how they went back to uh, Nazareth and settled down there. And then we find this story at the end of chapter number two, where Jesus is 12 years old. And it's the only story that we have in all of Scripture where Jesus is a child. It's the only narrative that we have between his birth and his uh, adult ministry uh, later on in his life. And it's in this narrative that they forget about Jesus. And I want to learn from this passage this morning by just giving us two quick thoughts. How they forgot him and how they found him. Are you ready this morning? Let's look at how they, how they forgot him. The first way that I believe they forgot Jesus was because of their activities. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 41. It says, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. Uh, the Bible tells us in the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy, that every year, Deuteronomy chapter number 16, that every year the Jewish people were required to go to Jerusalem for three different feasts. This particular feast was the feast of the Passover. The feast of the Passover was the celebration of God's deliverance of his people out of bondage, out of slavery from Egypt, and into the promised land. This was the exodus out of Egypt, and the reason they celebrated this Passover was because when the angel passed over the doorposts, uh, they were saved, they were delivered, and so they would come together every year and they would celebrate this Passover season. And this was an unbelievable, this was a massive event, this was a massive occasion. There were thousands, some authors say millions of people present in Jerusalem celebrating this feast of the Passover. It was a chaotic scene, it was a crowded scene. Uh, there were people bumping shoulders everywhere that you went. In fact, Josephus, who is a secular Jewish historian, tells us that they took a census at the time of Jesus about how many lambs were being slain during this time. And there were perhaps uh, upwards of 200 60,000 lambs being slaughtered during the week of the Passover. Just imagine uh, the sounds and the smells and the sights of even just that taking place. And so this was a crowded scene, a lot going on. You were finding relatives and you were finding uh, friends and family and you were coming together for this celebration. And so we see that Mary and Joseph, they make their way to the Passover. Now notice verse number uh, 43. And when they had fulfilled the days, and so this tells us that Mary and Joseph, they fulfilled the days. They stayed there the whole time. And the reason why uh, Luke, as a historian, gives us this detail is because many Jewish people, they would come to Jerusalem, they would make their sacrifice, they would pray, they would worship, they would have their meal, and then they would go back home. They were in and out in one or two days, but not Mary and Joseph. They uh, decided that they were going to give uh, all of their time, and they fulfilled the days. They stayed the entire week of Passover because they were devoted in their worship. Their worship was not about convenience. Uh, their worship came at a cost. They said, we're going to give this everything that we've gotten. So they fulfilled the days. As they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. And so they realize, they don't realize that Jesus is not with him. And so how in the world could they possibly forget Jesus? The busyness of the season all of the activities that were taking place and all of the people and the conversations that they were having, they, they forgot about Jesus. And the truth is, so often uh, we do the same thing even around Christmas. We get caught up in the lights and the shopping and the parties and all of these different things and we overlook the most important thing about Christmas and that is worship and adoration of Jesus. 
And so they forgot Jesus because of their activities. The Bible tells us so clearly in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek ye first, everybody say first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So seek him first. Give him first place in your life. The Bible says this in Colossians 1, 16 and 17, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things consist and so i want to remind you in this season that jesus should be before all things he deserves the preeminence not just the prominence he deserves first place in your life and you might be thinking well you don't understand my schedule this season you don't understand how many overtime hours i'm working you don't understand how busy i am i want to encourage you today don't let your work interfere with your worship Let your worship interfere with your work. Let your worship invade your work. And whatever you do Monday through Saturday, whatever you do all these days of the week, go in with a mindset that says, I'm going to do this for the glory of God because he deserves the worship in my life. He deserves the glory in my life. He deserves first place. And so because of the busyness of the season and all the activities, they overlook Jesus. It was their activities that stood in the way. But there was a second reason why they forgot Jesus, and that was their assumptions. Because notice what it says in verse number 44. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, they just supposed that he was there. They just assumed that he was there. They supposed him to have been in the company. They went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. A day's journey at this time would have been about 25 miles by foot, and so they make this day's journey, 25 miles, and they just assume that Jesus was there. During this time, when you would travel in large groups and families like this, you would travel in a caravan, and there would be uh, the women and children out front. The men would travel in the back to kind of keep an eye on things, and so no doubt Joseph thought, "Well, well, Jesus is probably with Mary up front, and Mary thought, well, no doubt Jesus is probably with Joseph in the back, and they assumed that he was there. They supposed that he was there, and he was not. One of the most dangerous things you can do in life is assume and suppose that you have a relationship with God. It is to just kind of suppose that Jesus is with you. Charles Spurgeon, he said this, do not suppose anything about Jesus at all. Do not suppose anything about his character, his doctrine, or his work. Go in for certainty on such points. Read the word of God and see what is revealed about him. Do not suppose him to be in your hearts. Many people tragically today, they have a vague understanding maybe about the Bible or about Jesus, and they suppose that Jesus is with them. But Jesus made it clear in Matthew 7, verse number 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Just because you profess Jesus does not mean that you possess Jesus. It's this tragedy and this dangerous place to be where you are assuming that Jesus is with you. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. He says, take a look within. Do you really have a real, authentic relationship with Jesus? Has there really been a time in your life when you said, I surrender all, I'm giving it to Jesus, I'm not doing it my own way, I'm not trusting in works, I'm not trusting in religion, I'm not trusting in any other person, I'm trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone? That is a real relationship with Jesus. And we, we're living in a time and in a culture where there's so much information out in the world that we're kind of uncertain at times what to believe. And so many different news outlets and Twitter and social media, and we're, we're constantly trying to gauge, okay, is this accurate? Can I trust this source? And uh, is this reliable information that I'm receiving? So much so that dictionary.com for 2018, they coined the key word, the, the word of the year for all of 2018, according to dictionary.com, is the word misinformation. 
because they said they're constantly trying to gauge uh, what is true, what is accurate. One spokesperson, Jane Solomon, uh, for Dictionary.com, said the rampant spread of misinformation is really providing new challenges for navigating life in 2018. Our relationship with truth is something that, co- that comes up again and again. This relationship of what is true, what can I trust? And it's because of things like this that I'm so grateful today that the Bible says in 1 John 5.13, These things have I written unto you that believe, everybody say believe, that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know. It doesn't say guess. It doesn't say hope. It doesn't say suppose. It doesn't say assume. It says that ye may know that you have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Is anybody thankful today that we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt and we can know with certainty that we have a home in heaven, not because of our strength or because of our knowledge, but because of Jesus Christ, we can have that confidence. Jesus came not to bring confusion. Jesus came to bring clarity in our lives today, and that is worth praising him for. And that is we're celebrating his name, that we can trust him. Because there's so many things in life that we're just uncertain about and we're unsure about. And we're not, we're not uh, able to have the ability to understand everything. We were driving with my family not too long ago. And we were driving by some windmills. And my son Luke in the back seat said, Dad, what is that? And I said, that's a windmill. And uh, he said, what is that? And I said, well, it's spinning and it's making electricity. And, and he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, it's trying to, it's spinning, the wind is blowing in, and it's going to make some electricity and store it. And he, he thought about that for a second. He said, dad, that makes no sense. <laughs> and I was like, watch your movie, son. I know. Okay. There's a lot of things in life that, that are just going to be hard for us to comprehend. But if there's anything that we can be confident about, if there's anything that we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's that Jesus came and lived a perfectly sinless life and he went to the cross so that he would die on the cross for your sin and for my sin so that we don't have to guess and we don't have to assume and we don't have to suppose. We can know with confidence that Jesus is who he says he is. And so Mary and Joseph, how in the world could they forget Jesus? All of their activities and their assumptions, they supposing him to have been in the company. They went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk. And so uh, we see how they forgot him, but I want to give you some good news today. They found him. And so let's notice number two, how they found him. How did, how did they find Jesus? Well, first of all, I want you to see that they realized their separation. Notice verse number 44. They went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And so now they realized Jesus was not there. They realized that he was not there, and they found him not. And so they were, they were really worried about this. Notice the next verse, verse 45. They came to this realization, and when they found him not. So I want you to see that Jesus' earthly parents, they're looking everywhere for the child Jesus, and they came to this realization that he's not here. What they did was they realized there was a separation that had taken place, at least a 25-mile journey, a day's journey. They were separated from Jesus. And I want to tell you this morning that that is a, a perfect picture of what sin does in our lives. Because we have all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. That's one thing we all have in common is none of us are perfect. And because of that sin, there is a gap between us and God. Because we are unholy, because we are imperfect, because we sin, we have this separation between us and a holy God. And the Bible makes it so clear in Isaiah chapter number 59, verse number 2. But your iniquities have separated. 
between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. And so what happens when we sin and because we were born with a sinful nature, we were born in Adam, the Bible says, we were born in sin, that we were separated from God. And there was this separation that took place between Mary and Joseph and now Jesus. And I want you to see not only their separation, but also their search. It says, when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. Everybody say, seeking him. And uh, it's very, very simple this morning. The reason that Mary and Joseph found Jesus was because they sought after him. They looked for him. And that is the greatest thing that you could possibly give your life to is to pursue God and to pursue a relationship with God and pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ. My wife, Katie, she often loses her cell phone. Anybody uh, in here constantly lose their cell phone? Anybody like that? And you're constantly looking for it. And uh, this used to be a frustration for us, but now it's just kind of an everyday part of life. We're just kind of used to it. Like every day she loses her phone, we try to go find it. And uh, it's kind of a fun little game that we have now at this point. And uh, when she first started losing her phone a lot, it was kind of frustrating because we would call it to try to find it. And it was always on vibrate, so you couldn't hear it. But then Apple came out with this app, the Find My iPhone app. Anybody ever use the Find My iPhone app? Yeah, it's a lifesaver because... Even if your phone is on silent or vibrate, you can uh, uh, pull up the app, and I can see Katie's phone, and I can press play sound. There it is, on the front row. Let's give it up for Find My iPhone. Yeah, it's amazing. And so because of this app, it makes it very easy for me to locate that phone. Because of this app, I can always find where Katie's phone is. And I want to tell you this morning that we have the greatest news in all of the world, and that is this, that because of Jesus Christ, we can find a relationship with God. And because of Jesus Christ, we can find forgiveness of sins. And because of Jesus Christ, we can find a home in heaven. Is anybody thankful today that Jesus is the mediator between God and man? We can have access to heaven, and we can have access to God because of Jesus, we can find him. And if you're searching today, and if you came into this room and you're searching for purpose, you're searching for meaning, you're searching for satisfaction, you're searching for happiness, you're searching for what is the point of all this, I want to tell you, look no further than the person of Jesus Christ, because in him, the Bible says, is hidden all the treasures and all the wisdom and all the knowledge that the world has to offer. You find Jesus, you find purpose. You find Jesus, you find satisfaction. You find Jesus, you find happiness. You find Jesus, you find everything. And so they realized their separation, Mary and Joseph. There was this gap, that there was this 25-mile journey that was separating them and Jesus. And then they went seeking after him. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 17, verse number 27, that they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. And so they had this separation their search, but I want you to see finally, I want you to see their surprise. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 46. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors. To be seated in Jewish culture was a position of honor. The rabbis did not stand and teach, they would sit and if it was a respected rabbi, you would circle around him and you would listen to him teach. And here's Jesus, 12 years old, seated in the midst of them, both hearing them and asking them questions. He was not asking them questions that he did not know the answers to. He was asking them questions to spur on their faith and to get them thinking. And all that heard him were astonished 
at his understanding and answers. When they were listening to the child Jesus speak at 12 years old, they were surprised. They were astonished. How does this man speak with such authority? How does this child know so many things that we have debated and discussed for years? And now we see this wisdom pouring out of this child. How, how is this even possible? Notice verse number 48. And when they saw him, Mary and Joseph, they were amazed. They were surprised. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? And Mary, kind of that motherly role. Jesus, uh, where have you been? We've been searching everywhere for you. We've been worried sick. Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Know ye not that I must be about my father's business? This is the first time Jesus ever spoke and his words recorded in scripture. And he starts by saying, I must showing the urgency of his mission. So often we live with this complacent mindset, but God has called us to live with some urgency. Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. Already at 12 years old, Jesus knew exactly why he came. Already as a child, he knew exactly why heaven invaded earth. He knew why he was there. He had to be about his father's business. Time and time again throughout Jesus' ministry, he says in John 9, I must work the works of him that sent me. I must do the Father's will. In John chapter 6, verse number 38, it says, For I came down from heaven. You want to know why we celebrate Christmas? You want to know why we celebrate the fact that God became flesh and dwelt among us? Uh, this is why. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Jesus, I, Jesus said, I didn't come to do my own will. I came to do the will of him that sent me. And if you're like me this morning, you read these statements by Jesus and you hear him saying I came to do the will of the Father and you have to ask what is the will of the Father what is his father's business Jesus says I've got to do the works of him that sent me I've got to do the father's will well what's the father's will and the answer to that question changes everything for humanity because Jesus says two verses later in John chapter 6 verse number 40 he says, and this is the will of him that sent me. You want to know what the will of, of the Father is? You want to know why I came? This is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at that last day. Can I tell you today that that is the Father's business, that that is the will of him that sent me, that we would see Jesus and we would believe on his name, and if we do, we will receive the gift of eternal life. That's why Jesus came and already at 12 years old, he knew why he was here. He knew why God had sent him. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. That is the mission. That is the will of the Father. That is why Jesus came. That is why we celebrate Christmas. This is what it's all about. I must be about my Father's business. I must work the works of him that sent me. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is the gift. Everybody say the gift. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Danny, can you jump up here for a second? You know, the beautiful thing about a gift is you don't have to do anything for it, right? That's the wonderful thing about a gift. If I said, Daniel, I would just really like to present you this gift. The only thing is I really need my car washed and I really need some things done around the house. Hey, it's your gift, but would you mind doing a couple of those things? As soon as you have to earn it, it ceases to be a gift. 
And here's the wonderful news of salvation. Here's the wonderful news of that video that we watched and this text that we're reading and the story of the whole Bible is that the gift of God is eternal life. It's a gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to do anything for it. You don't have to be religious. You don't have to do this and that. All you have to do is receive the free gift of salvation and say, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I believe that Jesus died in my place and today I invite him into my life and I accept this free gift of salvation. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. And that is the bad news today. Because here's the reality. We all share a sinful nature. We all fall short. None of us are perfect. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. You might think, well, what's the big deal? Yeah, we all sin a little bit here and there. I'll tell you, it's a very big deal because the wages, the payment of sin is death. Because we live in a fallen world, ever since Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, since we live in a fallen world, since we live in a broken world, there is a payment for our sin. It's eternal separation from God. But the second half of that verse says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the gospel message. That is salvation. It's not about being religious. It's not about trusting in any one person. It's about giving your life to Christ. And in Jesus, there is life everlasting. That is the gift of Christmas. That is what it's all about this morning. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes today? Thanks again for listening today. If this message was an encouragement to you, let us know. You can email us at hello at rockhill.church and keep up with all the latest news at rockhill.church or on Instagram at rockhillchurch.